Hello and welcome to The Wise Why. This morning I am really excited. I have, now actually I don't know how to say your surname. I always do that. Can I, I've got Ralph with me who I've known for over 10 years and you know what, I've never asked him how to say his surname. Yeah, that, that's, that makes me look like a really good friend, doesn't it? <laughs> you, you could call it, you could call, I mean it's, it's French Creole so you could say Naidu or Naidu. Depends. Oh. Depends where you come from and how you want to say it. But I've been called all kind, but I'll take any of those. <laughs> that sounds like me. I get, I, I, I'm going to put it out there. I get called Krusty and it's like, really? But with the name Kirsty, it's not surprising. So Ralph and I met, as I said, 10 years ago, and he is the backbone of many industries, not in the security industry. Later on, I will post a picture of my pop-up stand into the chat because uh, he did it for me and I'm really proud. And as I moved to KBDB, he's he's still there holding me and supporting me. But as usual, it's not about me. Over to you, Ralph. <laughs> oh, hello. No pressure. <laughs> I'm, normally, <laughs> I'm normally quite a secret person, so you, that's quite rare you got me on there. I don't know how you got me to come on here, but hello, everyone. Well, I think it's about needing helping you out at an event earlier on this year. And I went, oh, yeah, you can come on the Wise Why. And you went, huh? Huh? <laughs> and you are right. You are a very secretive person. You are the person behind this, the scenes getting things done. Yes. You could say that. I'll take that. <laughs> so what people don't know is that when we go to events or when we're doing our marketing behind the scenes you have somebody who is crunching the numbers or actually just lifting the boxes picking them out of the van unpacking them and making everything look seamless and that's what you do can you explain a bit more about the support you give okay so you you've probably seen us more in the kind of logistic and kind of exhibition that's where we probably cross paths more often um, we do a lot of support, part of, part of our business, an arm of it, I should say, is actually doing exhibition, it's supporting exhibition companies, designing, creating stand, building stands, and down to logistics. Um, bringing all the things to the stand, getting up, set up, right through to kind of following through the leads, um, people coming in, people going out, monitoring that. So it's the whole process, really, not just like a courier service like someone would actually take and would actually see for an exhibition. Can we talk about the, um, you know, following up on the leads? Because when you go to an exhibition and you're you're zapping people, yes. um, a lot of the time people don't know what, what happens. And, and I know that I'm one, even though I've worked on the stands, I'm one that goes, oh, no, I don't want to be zapped. Can you talk about the follow-up that you do with your data management? Because what you offer is incredible. Sure. Uh, well, data management is a, is a massive key part of any business. I mean, data is key full stop. Um, and the way we work is just understanding uh, the kind of uh, segmentation, who the customers are, who the audience are, geographically where they come from, how many times they've been. Um, and it depends. I mean, you know, we do massive, um, a few massive shows at Farnborough Airport and there's over 100,000 people that come to that event. So, you know, it's understanding who they are and when they are marketed to not not having the same people mail two three different times or emailed or you know it's all about streamlining the communication keeps costs down and, and not upsetting people by getting too many too many kind of communication for it but understanding um your customer actually i'm glad you brought that up because especially now with things being just so expensive like postage for example you know 
and GDPR, there's so many compliance that you've got to kind of go through and make sure you're doing it right. But understanding your customers, key part, I mean, you know, we deal with a lot of high-end people, um, uh, people selling e-marketing e stuff, um, e-commerce stuff. So they need to know who their customers are, who's spending what, how much money they're spending. Um, and then obviously then targeting these people individually in terms of segmentation of sectors. So, so data management, you, you know, we could talk about that all day. It's, it's just such a huge field. But yes, data management is, is something part of, and it's also linked in with exhibition as well, where we're really doing marketing for them for. And, and what you do is you, you can really segment it down, can't you? You can actually look at the data and know exactly when to target um, an email campaign, when not to, and this is, I think this is the important thing, when not to target somebody. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, through, through you know, technology through kind of computers and through software you could you could know exactly you know when the person bought from your business last how much they spent uh you could geographically find out where they are you could see a trend you could build profile on the trend find out you know for example if you 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 had a business and we, we looked at the data and you wanted some more cold customers um we could kind of look at a trend, we could profile your existing customer, find out who they are, where they are, male, female, where they live, how old, earnings. It's and quite we could that, that kind of sector and then create a profile and then go and get or seek uh, new customers. So it's, it's so clever, it's so intelligent if you, if you work it the right way and use it correctly. It's like a tool that's used correctly can be successful to any business. And, and what I love about you is, and I do, I mean, apart from that we're really good mates, what I really do love is that you are a marketeer, you're in data marketing, you work at events, and yet you avoid social media. And I just, I mean, getting you on here is a total coup. Nobody realises just how much I am sitting here going, I got Ralph on the show, I'm doing a happy dance all the way through this. But you don't do social media, do you? No, no I, I think, you know, having two kids... Uh, young, well, not so young no more, but 20 and 15. I think I personally think, and people will think wrong with this, and I know there are, it's not clear cut, black and white, but I think social media in a nutshell makes people antisocial. I really do. And I think that some businesses thrive on it, and I think you, you do need social media and they do need that support. But down to down to day use. I mean, you know, we see so many people. I mean, you must see it yourself. People crossing the road just looking at their phone, social yeah. media. You know, getting run over looking at their phone. So I see someone the other day. I live in a countryside. Someone was riding their horse the other day. Uh, but and both hands. <laughs> oh my god! Riding their horse, and I'm not kidding. But like I said, it's it's one side. It could be bad if used properly it could be great some businesses and stuff equally you know you could damage a business um by social media very very quickly by just pressing the wrong button or saying the wrong thing so yes our businesses mainly come from recommendation um i think if you got an ability to create good rapport with people if you could you know, if you could pick up the phone and talk, or can you meet people and you're likable, you're sincere, you're genuine, people are going to buy from you, people are going to like you for who you are. And I think that means more than actually 
ramping up loads of ads on social media to post about you because I think the best kind of customers are the one that kind of comes around as a recommend or someone you've met face to face that you can kind of create a relationship. It's a bit, I suppose, like relationship these days, I suppose. The old fashioned ways to just go and meet somebody <laughs> and have a chat these days is just dating side. Again, social media. And I'm probably, you know, old fashioned. I don't look it, but I am quite old. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, I think we're close in age. But it's interesting what you say because I've been going and trying to explain to people that only 7% of your market will ever you know, only seven percent of your business will ever will come through a social media channel you know it's not the be all and end all and it takes 50 about 15 months for a social media marketing organic not paid for or but an organic social media marketing campaign to actually turn around and start to generate a you know sales funnel it takes about 15 months so that's a lot of work Mm -hmm. and a lot of hours spent if you are posting consistently and I don't believe I'm going to say it, I really don't believe you need to put a post out every day and I do believe that the watchers so I've had a lead come in this week and it's somebody that I've met out networking and I get on really well with them but it was actually the social media post that converted them but at the same time it it's because they know me and it's that, per yeah, we are on the show today because you know me and people still buy from people. I know we're old, but I don't think, I think you have to be wise and very careful with the way that you use social media, particularly, as you said, in a business, because mm. one post can destroy your your reputation and your, yeah, you see, you see it all the time. Absolutely, yes. Absolutely. So, I think, I think it's, a, it's a fine line of how you do it. But yeah, no, we, we, we don't advertise, we don't market ourselves. It's, it's strange because this is what we do. But we kind of, we like it that way because we don't want to kind of um, be everywhere. We like the je ne sais quoi. We like the kind of, you know, we like the, the kind of recommendation and people we work with in that kind of way. We keep it very intimate, shall we say. So how did you fall into it? I'm intrigued because you, know, you came over from the Seychelles when you were about 11. So there's quite a lot between, obviously, me meeting you at the, a similar age to me 10 years ago. So I'm just, you know, t ex tell me about that. Oh, you can see by my colour, but tropical blood. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the sun we've not been having now. <laughs> I knew you could say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's, a, it's a thing. Uh, 10, 11 years old, sent over to England for, for education um, to go to school. Um, off I trotted and no choice, no option, but sent over. And it was great. I mean, I wouldn't do it to my kids because um, I'm quite an intimate person. You know, I, 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 um, I teach my kids that as well. You know, we always hug. They always kiss me good morning and good night. They always, we're always having a hug, a hug out. And uh, yeah, when you're young, being sent over, it's like, uh, I don't know, when you've got no choice. Actually, I met someone who you know very well, uh, who we, we were mentioned, um, who was, uh, he definitely had no choice. His dad kidnapped him um, when he was 10. So, you know, we, we, um, and that's another kind of uh, a choice. And it, it, he wrote a book. And the, the book was about all those kids that are young, uh, their, their mum and dad are different from different countries. And then suddenly we're going on holiday and suddenly they never come back. If that happens in the 80s or 90s where you kind of got no social media or no kind of internet and no technology, there's, there's kids go missing. And it's only now, years later, 
that you can kind of find your roots or find kind of start finding through who your real parents are and stuff like that. But yes, I had no choice. I had to come over. Must have been strange though, because what yeah. it must have been what the eighth. I wasn't kidnapped. I just put that out there. <laughs> no, I know who you're talking about. Um, could what was it like then? It must have been really strange. It must have been. Re did you just arrive in Surrey, or did you arrive somewhere else? Yeah, no, it was Leicester um, because one of my aunties or distant aunties lived there. Um, so it was uh, Leicester, and um, and it was it was weird because he suddenly had no family, no friends in a foreign country. I had been to England before three times on holiday, but it's it's kind of weird when you're so young. I mean, when you're an adult, I suppose you can kind of. Uh, work your way through weave your way through and meet people and but when you're young and english is your second language it, it was it was daunting and and it was hard but i suppose if you uh if you're kind of person that that you you're willing to put yourself out and you kind of you know you're strong and you know you're mentally strong and you kind of you kind of make it work you know they say some people you throw them in the deep end they swim and some people sink I think at a young age, maybe that was me. That was the making of me in terms of being that way, just being kind of sent in the deep end and kind of have to survive. Uh, but yes, here I am. I, I, I survived. Wow. wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. I didn't know that about you. I am in awe right now. And it got, it got me thinking about all the thousands of children who are fostered or adopted in uh, the UK and how they must how they must feel. So yeah. yeah, that's that's kind of like really powerful, and I really appreciate you sharing that. Um, moving on, just I'm intrigued. Who's inspired you along the way? Inspiration. <laughs> <laughs> it's not money. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 a good question that because I always bench success. You know, if you're successful at what you do, everything you do. My dad always used to say to me. Um, when I was, I never used to get it. He said to me, hang around with the right people, you become good. You know, you hang around with idiots, you become you become one. And I think from a young age, I never understood, but I never used to have toys. The only thing is, my mum and dad always used to buy me books because they had this romantic kind of idea that I'd be a doctor, you know, a doctor, <laughs> a doctor, a doctor, be a doctor. And it was ridiculous. All my mates had, but uh, you know, had toys and books, but mainly toys being a kid. And uh, I just had books. And I think that's why I like toys so much now. I just, I just have all type kind of toys. I'm making up for lost times. Talking about toys, you've got a new one, haven't you? You've got a new hobby that you're really good at. New hobby? Oh, go on, what's what are you doing? Well, about? you know, there's, there's the, I know another guy, Mark Rayson, who also does drone photography and, and another one, uh, Chad. But I don't, I don't, didn't know anyone in your area. So you do drone video. Well, it kind of, it's not a new hobby. Um, oh, it's a bit of a weird one that because some people talk about drones and just are oh, drones. But no, I, I got into it in 2016. My brother got me into it, and uh, I got into drone racing. So part of the drone racing uh, community and. I won some events in racing, you know, racing them. And then it fall into videos. This is something that um, a few customers, if now it's become a bit of a commercial entity, but a little bit of the company where people are asking us to do um, commercial shot for their, for their stand or for their office or for anything. 
and uh, and we we've been doing that for a couple of years now and that's been quite fun uh creating videos for them so it's a hobby turned into i suppose part of the business just as everything falls into into how it falls so it's not like a a, a business to begin with it's a hobby to begin with uh, and now it's turned into some kind of little business on the side for it so which is quite quite interesting actually i think that's really I'm going to try and use the word personal. I think that's the right word, but I could be wrong. Um, because if I look at what I do now, it's started mm -hmm. as a hobby. You know, I my hobby was to go and do dancing, acting and singing. And now I coach on camera technique because I was an actor. So I think our hobbies are quite, kind of important. Um, I love the fact that, I, well, I don't love, I feel a little bit sorry for you that you, you didn't get any toys as a <laughs> child. And I'm, I'm thinking about the amount of toys my daughter has. And then she did actually say to me, Mummy, I've got too many toys. And I'm, I'm like, yeah, everyone keeps buying you them. So maybe we could just like get people to buy you clothes and then her face falls. <laughs> but books must have been, it must have been interesting growing up with just books. It, you know what? I think children are funny things. And if you force them too much, they rebel. You know, that that's how I was. Uh, my, my, my own children, and I've got a 20-year-old and a 15-year-old, and it's always been a very open relationship, a very open, never force them, but guide them, you know, guide them for what they love to do, guide them through what they, they seek, what they like and encourage them. And it could create, you know, a better environment if you if you force them all the time, you know, and that's how I, I was brought up. So, and there's nothing wrong with discipline. I mean, you know, very strict parents coming from that side of the world, but, it, you know, that discipline is quite important in life. You know, where you are, where you go, follows you all around. So, so books wasn't bad. It wasn't good, but it wasn't bad. Discipline that came with it was really good. And, uh, you know, I brought my kids exactly the same. Discipline, respect for others. And that, you know, if you've got a good foundation in life as a person, then I think that goes a long way in terms of where it brings you later on in life. So. Yeah, nurture over I don't think you're rude um I think what I really loved about working with you particularly on the events when I was on stand was mm -hmm. as my energy would be dropping you would be there with a great big smile on your face and you would energize us and just by dropping a, a box of I don't know mints or whatever it was it could change and shift everything they would be like, oh, Ralph's here. And the whole energy of the stand would lift. I, I don't think you're aware how much you can motivate and shift the energy when you walk into the room. Well, you've been too kind there. No. <laughs> I just think, you know, I think we all do it. I think, again, it's, it links down from people have busy lives these days. But if you could just, sometimes the most important things in life is, is right there in front of you, you know bringing a box of chocolate to see your customers, you know, it's not nothing else. It's just showing some kindness. And I think a lot of people have lost the ability to just be nice and be courteous, be, you know, we live in a politically correct world. And it's just, you know, I take every day. I mean, last year I buried four friends, you know, just with cancer, stroke and all kinds of stuff. And it just, sometimes I have to take a breather and just put life into perspective and you know adversity sometimes show people the light but i've always been like that um and i've always been like that to my friends my family my customers and 
that's probably why you know we work with our customer for a long time they they work with us for forever um and that don't mean that and as a cliche i mean that as you know they deal with us as a company they deal with that same attitude you know if you if you like that people like you and that's that and that's why you you say that i've walked in and i've made you laugh or or brought a bit of sunshine into a room it's just just being normal and i think some people sometimes just think of themselves too much you know they just think of the money maybe too much or just themselves generally I, really wise words really really wise words i think people forget that you know it's not just about your customer that you're selling to or, or who's buying your product it's also the people you work with it's that joist jousting people is that the word i want to use it's picking people up it's carrying them with you it's that care it's being genuinely interested in people i remember when i was going through a rough time not a rough time it wasn't so much that it was a very challenging time and you were there just holding me up telling me you can get through this you can do it you will be fine and you will come out the other side and look at the end goal and you were really really important at that time um obviously i don't talk about that very much on air because it's very private but thank you for being there for me it was really okay. key anytime so I've, we've talked about who's inspired you i'm intrigued about any aha moments so have there been any moments when you've gone yeah that's what i'm going to do I like bringing in the drone technology for instance massive aha moments Say that again, Kirsty, you broke up there. Oh, oh gosh, that's not good. Uh, aha moments. Um, so have there been moments where you've gone, aha, that's why I do this, or oh my goodness, I'm so, I've, I've made a mistake, a magical mistake, and I'm going to change it around. So those aha moments that make or break you. I think one of the biggest moments that actually changed me was having children, actually. Yeah, definitely. That, to me, was the, the point of my life where I thought, you know what? things have got to change because now you've got one mouth to feed and you kind of like you kind of change your whole way your whole focus your whole thinking of life but that's not everybody i was just a bit kind of wild and it kind of reined me back in a bit just kind of uh, and now you know i sit back and just look at them and think oh mm. and i live for them you know they they are they are me they are my soul and uh, and i love them to bits I, I hear you on that. I, I always say to people, I didn't know what was missing in my life until our daughter came along. And I didn't know it was missing until she came along. And then when she came along, it was like, ah, that's it. And I can't put it into words. I can't give you an experience about what it was because I didn't know I was missing anything and I wasn't missing anything. And then she arrived and it was like, ah, it was like a link that had just... And it's magical. And you know, everything I do is for her. Um, I have a significant celebration on Monday that's, you know, going to be another year. And I know already that the day is planned around her. So I'll probably spend the whole day in a play park, which is fine because, you know, nowadays a birthday to me is nothing, whereas mm -hmm. a birthday to her is important, even though it's mummy's. And so... Mm -hmm. I'll, I will celebrate it for her. I don't like birthday cakes and stuff, but I will get one for her. So it's just interesting what you do for your kids, isn't it? It is very interesting. And then, and then I wanted more and that wasn't happening, so I got myself a dog. <laughs> yeah, I'm not getting a dog. I've got two cats. Uh, what's your dog called? Tell us a little bit about your dog. 
Oh, Doofy. So Rufus, aka Doofy, has got all kind of nickname. He's a Welsh terrier. He's lovely. Um, yeah, it's again, it's just having a focus in life. You know, we all work hard. And for me, going out to, to drone racing, make videos, ride my electric, electric off-road bike, taking the dog out for a walk in the woods. Um, it's all things that we all need to unwind. And that's, and that's why, you know, it's important to have something that unwinds you. And uh, I've got lots of them, so I need them. Well, talking about that, you've got your golf clubs behind you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's, this part of Surrey is golf, it's golf world city. There's so many great courses around here. So plenty of them, plenty so of them. Sport. I am, I'm appalling at golf. Um, I remember trying to have golf lessons down in Banstead, where I, you know, close to where I grew up, and they kept asking me to stand like a duck, and that was me gone. I just couldn't do it. The dance training, you know, stick your bum out. It's not happening. It's just not happening. So I was terrible. But uh, I, I must watch you at some point, and and maybe I could drive the cart and just giggle. Oh, yeah. In fact, maybe I could just drink the champagne. <laughs> you could be my caddy anytime. Come on. <laughs> awesome. Well, this is where the tables turn. So you get to ask me a question because I know that you've got to run off. So I've got to be aware of the time because you've got to run off to go into work. So you get to turn the tables and ask me a question. Turn the tables and ask your question. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> That's an interesting one. Are you going on holiday this year? I am. We've literally just booked it. Um, oh, okay. We had this wonderful plan of going abroad because what the, the school, my daughter's... Um, bilingual so uh, we had a plan of going to a country where she could use the language and, and actually she's trilingual I should say so oh, um we had a plan of using one of the languages but actually the cost is just too much and we have to go to one of the countries because that's where Omer and Opa live so um we've we we're going to Devon and oh, I'm no. really excited um I love oh. Devon so we are we are staying like well kind of local and we will be having an absolute hoot down in Devon uh, for two whole weeks, and I cannot wait. Oh, nice. I love Devon. I what love about Devin. you? Uh, no holidays planned, but I'm sure something will turn up. There'll be plenty of golf holiday with the lads, that's for sure. You know, weekends away, week away here and there. But, yeah, family holiday, not planned anything yet, but something will come up. I generally like the Isle of Wight. I love it there. For some reason, I've fallen in love with the Isle of Wight. I've been going there for the last sort of seven years or so. And I just think it's like, you know, it's a quick hop over the ferry and it's, uh, and depends where you stay. You can have a real, really nice time over there. Really nice places to eat, really kind of places to go with the dog or walk around, you know, beaches and stuff. And it's not generally that busy unless yeah. you get to the Isle of Wild Festival period, which is busy. But normally it's quite nice. I quite like to go and spend a couple of weeks there at least, which is quite yeah. nice. I used yeah. to go there as a child. Um, there was a Westbrook house. It was a crusader camp. I don't talk about it very often, but anyway, I used to go to crusader camp there and it was really good fun. And we always went to Black Gang Chai, I think it's called. Yeah, 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 yeah. it is called that still. <laughs> so absolutely brilliant. I can't believe we just talked about the Isle of Wight in Devon. I have thoroughly enjoyed the talk. I don't want to hold you any longer because I know you've got to run to an office and help them. So thank you for your time today. My pleasure. Lovely to talk to you and talk to you again soon. Absolutely. Take care.